Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. On this podcast, I am your host, Renee Fox, and I chat to various people who are willing to be open and vulnerable about their own experiences with mental health and sport. Please keep in mind that the things discussed on this podcast are people's own experiences and is not medical advice. If anything in these episodes is triggering for you or you feel like you need assistance, please contact a health professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Kai Van Cool. Kai is an elite swimmer on the Gold Coast. He is so incredibly strong and someone that I have so much respect for. Kai is very open and vulnerable, particularly when it comes to his experiences with mental health. It's also important to note that Kai does swear a lot in this chat and suicide is mentioned, so please keep that in mind and reach out if you need help. He shares so many important messages in this chat. Kai is so confident in his abilities and it's very exciting as to what's to come in his swimming career. I was in awe when chatting with Kai and there are so many things that struck a chord with me. This is personally one of my favourite episodes and I hope you love it just as much as I do. Welcome to the Perfectly Forward podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those that don't know you, would you like to tell me a little bit more about yourself? Um, hi, my name is Kai Van Cool. I'm a swimmer out of Gold Coast. I swim underneath Michael Bowl at Griffith University. My main events are 100 and 200 backstroke. Um, I've been swimming for a very long time. I've always loved the sport. I'm a massive water baby. Yeah, so I'm more than happy to share my story with mental health. So you mentioned that you're a swimmer, obviously, and on the Gold Coast. What made you fall in love with swimming? Oh, okay. So I have an older sister who is seven years older than me. Um, so I was kind of like when she was swimming, I always got taken to her swimming lessons and hearing stories from my parents was I used to always rip off all my clothes, even my diaper and jump in the pool naked with her. <laughs> um, so I've always, I've always loved the water. Um, it's a massive part of me. I love, I love the competitive side. I'm very competitive. I'm very sporty. So I'm pretty sure I started like in the water before I could like walk or run or anything like that. And I started competing in year four at school, like with the school swimming carnivals and all that. And then I've always gone to my sister's swimming and all that. So, yeah, I was one of the youngest kids to finish most of like the swimming groups. Um, so, yeah. No, that's awesome. Do you think there was a particular age that you realised, hey, like, I really enjoy this. I want to be competitive. Like I want to take this more seriously because I know like from experience from people that I've met and friendships and things that there was like a particular age, particularly with boys, it can just be a bit of fun and like racing your friends. But they normally say like at this, like at a particular age to like, yeah, that's when I really took it seriously. So I think mine was around, I had like two stages of it. So I had, I think 11 I dislocated my finger in at school and I was already competing then and I stopped competing because my finger and then I was still swimming but I wasn't swimming like competitively or anything like that and then I went to my parents and I was like oh like I want to go back to like my old club like I want to like start swimming again like I want to start racing like I love racing I've always loved racing like I want to become fit Cause like, you know, like when you're, when you're very young, like you have like that little bit of extra weight and I was very, very cautious of it. So that was one time. And then another time was when I made my first, first age nationals, which was, I was 14 years old when I met, when I first made my nationals, like qualifying time and all that. I aged up a week before the meet, I had to swim like a faster time. So after that, I was I'm pretty sure 
I really wanted to like give it a red hot crack. And then swimming through the ages, I got, I had two, I had two elbow injuries, two surgeries on my right side, one in 2015, another one in 2017. And then, yeah. And then after COVID, I was like looking back after like all my results and I'm like, and I was just thinking to myself, like, do I want to like continue swimming? Like, all this stuff and then I decided to make the move up to the Gold Coast from Sydney I'm super happy with my move like my results have definitely shown I reckon from being here for only six months that's awesome I know like from myself I moved clubs almost three years ago now and it's not to you like you don't necessarily see like for me I didn't necessarily see anything wrong was where I was but it's not till you move that you're like oh my god there's so much more out there that I didn't realize yeah exactly definitely moving to a high performance squad which I'm in now with like the support of like QAS and Swimming Australia is just absolutely like ridiculous and then having like being able to train with such an amazing coach like such a legend like he's very well known in the swimming community and all that and then yeah, it's just so good. Like I, I trained with like a couple of Olympians, which is like really good for my headspace. I reckon like to the sport and all that. Cause like they're, like they're there and they're, they're, we all have like the same goal pretty much like the squad, which is like to make a senior team, to go to Olympics, like represent the country and all that stuff. So it's really good to have um, all that with you to help you push through the sessions yeah absolutely when you are given a hard set in training which I can imagine there's many of those how do you get yourself through that like if you're really struggling with it how do you I guess like mentally push through that oh so I'm a little bit I'm not the best at this but I know Monday afternoons is normally one of our hardest sets of the week it's the 200 um it's like kind of like a 200 pace like session so it's I hate Monday Arvos absolutely hate it but um I know I'm a sucker for psyching myself out during the set but I rather like just give it my best shot and then at the end of the session like me knowing that I've completed that and it's just makes me like feel good about myself like that I've achieved something for the day knowing that it's going to make me happy and it's going to improve my results and stuff. So I kind of, I just tell myself to like suck it up and get her over and done with like, try like do your best, like attempt it like at the best like you can and like don't hold back, like just push it. Like I know you're going to hurt, but it's just going to be, it's going to be, it's all going to make a result by the end of it. So that's normally how I get through a set. Yeah. I mean, like it is tough. Like, I'm obviously a bit biased, but I think swimming is obviously one of the toughest sports out there. And yeah, when you get in that headspace, like in a really hard set, it can be really hard, but you do have to think long-term. Yeah, you know, this is going to be beneficial. I'm going to be a better swimmer after this because of this set. And I think that's definitely what has to drive you through. Yeah. Based on that, like you said, in that, that you are really good at sucking yourself out. I am also guilty of that. If you're feeling nervous or anxious before a race or like leading into Monday afternoon training, what is your inner monologue like? I normally, I just try to keep relaxed, like on the way to a race or to training, knowing that I have a very difficult set that morning or afternoon, I'll listen to 90s hip hop or I'll listen to like UK drill rap to try and like get myself like pumped up and all that stuff to prepare myself for like fight or flight pretty much like I'll and then I'll like keep calm I'll like sometimes keep to myself or like I'll talk to um other people in my squad or my friends at swimming carnivals if I'm if I'm racing um I kind of like joke around a little bit like trying to like soften myself up um so i can just get in and do the race or the hard training session i find that that helps me the best like listening to music before it kind of like singing along to it or like 
you know, like rapping along or whatever you want to call it beforehand. And then when it comes time, I, I'm like complete switch off and I'm like serious. I'm like determined to finish the race, do well or complete the set and be happy after it, knowing that I've tried my best and all that. Music is amazing. Like it's such a powerful tool that I yeah. think it's underestimated quite a lot. But those strategies you've mentioned there, have you learnt those over time that that's what works best for you? Have they been suggested to you? How did you find those strategies? I found that joking around helps, like helped me. I just, I think I, like, I'm a very, very like jokative person. Like I, I always like, like love joking around and all that stuff. Like, and then with the music thing, like I think that was just through trial and error. Like I love. I love listening to like house music and all that stuff. Like I'll listen to SoundCloud and all mm-hmm. that with um all these different mixes. But I found that um, UK drill and 90s hip hop me up a little bit more compared to all the other genres and all that. So um, yeah, normally when I was younger, I used to listen to music before the big race or anything like that. But I find that if I do that now, like I'm a little bit like, I, I feel like I'm a little bit more anxious if I do that. Cause I'm not, I haven't like taken it all in until I'm behind the blocks. Like I rather take it all in before. And then I have like, then I can like calm myself down, like tell myself it's like all okay. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of just feels like depends on my mood and all that stuff. Like if I'm too, like if I'm lazy enough to like get my phone out, get my AirPods, put them in and then, have like my cap and goggles on like before heading out and all that stuff and then I got to make sure that all my stuff's like in my pocket so it doesn't fall out and gets stolen or whatever like that. You mentioned in there that you depending on how anxious you are and our brief chat before recording you said about your mental health would you want to expand on what your mental health situation is like a little bit more? Yes yeah, so I was I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety in, I was, I was in year nine. So that would have been 2016. So I, I had, I had a couple of days off school one week and then I went to my mom and I was like, oh, like, I'm not, I'm not feeling too well. Like, like I'm, I don't really feel happy. Like I feel down. Like I don't really have like a lot of motivation and um of course like because i'm the youngest of my family like, i'm the baby so mom's like straight away like on the phone to the doctors like like we booked in for an appointment went to the doctors um spoke to the to my gp um and then he he sent me to a psychologist like, two doors down from it and i had a reading test and then i found out that i've got dyslexia and i I'm not like I've I've re- I knew that I wasn't the best at reading, but I didn't know the cause behind it. And then three and nine, I was like struggling. I was having like three days off a week, and then I just all of a sudden just stopped going to school, and I stopped going for about a term and a half because I was just like everything just came crashing down. Like I was I was like scared I was getting judged fear of judgment I was like anxious I like I struggled to walk through the school like the school gates I couldn't catch the bus and then I like slowly got introduced back into school in like term term three or something like that halfway through term three like I was still keeping contact with school but I was kind of like just trying to go through it like the best I could without completely like crashing down and like hitting rock bottom like I have hit rock bottom multiple times in my life but yeah like going through your early stages like 10 years I feel like that was probably that's like the hardest one of the hardest stages of your life because it's where you I find through your teens really discover yourself for the first time and like figure out what you like and you don't like and all that stuff and then I was going back to school through year nine and then by the end of year nine I'm pretty sure I had an attendance of 46 percent 
for that year. And then the next year, same thing happened around term two to term three, like halfway through term three. I had those, um, those, like that amount of time off. And then by the end of year 10, I had 48%, I think, school attendance. And then, but I was still swimming during those times, but I felt like, like I never went to school with like any of my swimming friends from my club. So I felt like that was a big thing of mine. Like I didn't really have like a lot of friends at school. Like they're all dickheads, like, you know, like yeah, kids are at that age. Um, but I was still swimming and I found it so much easier to become friends with like swimmers because like we all do the same thing like day in day out pretty much like found that was a big struggle but um I was still swimming quite well during those times like in 20, 2016 that was my first first age nationals and then going through short course season I was going pretty well and then state short course at the end of um, the year in December going like really well. Like I dropped a massive amount of time during the year. I think I dropped like about six seconds or something like that throughout that whole year. So I was like super happy with that. Got some good results. And then year 10 was, I felt like that was one of my tougher years in school, but not in swimming like swimming was a completely different ball game like yeah i knew like i was having time at school and all that stuff so i could like focus a little bit more on training but i felt like it still had a big toll that mental health side in swimming because i was i still felt i was getting judged and all that stuff but i was still going very well like i made my first national final um i made two national finals and then throughout the year, it was going well. And then by the end of that year, I had my second elbow surgery. Um, that kind of, and then the recovery with that was a little bit rocky. I had 18 months off competition. I was still going to school. Year 11 kind of picked up with my going back to school and all that. But I think by the end of the year, I had 89% attendance which is probably my best throughout my whole high, like one of my best um, attendance throughout my whole high school years. I had a pretty decent friend group. I was training well and all that. And then year 12, I had, I had really good support from the deputy principals. I had good subjects that I could just go to class, write a couple of things down on a piece of paper and boom, subject pass pretty much so it was a very laid back thing because in year 10 after year 10 like i was like oh like do i want to stay and still keep on swimming or do i drop out of school slowly back off on the swimming and just do a trade or whatever like that but i decided to stay in school for the social side and kind of like i didn't catch a bus from year nine to about halfway through year 11 because I was too scared to get on a bus with all my anxiety and all that yeah year 11 year 12 was really good was I felt like I kind of knew who I was and all that stuff definitely in year 9 year 10 I was very low I did go to I was seeing two psychologists a week I was on medication for my um, depression anxiety I couldn't sleep at night. I was taking like sleeping tablets and all that stuff. And then year 11, I was pretty sure I stopped seeing my psychologist in year 11 or I was seeing only one of them. And then year 12, I just was like, ah, oh, I don't really give a shit. I'm like, fuck what people think about me, to be honest. Like, they, life's not easy. Like, I don't really give a shit what people think about me. They can say what the fuck they want. By the end of the day, as long as I'm happy, I'm happy and all that. So I kind of just live by that now. Like, if people want to say shit about me, they can. It's not going to affect me and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, and then last year during COVID, I lost a friend to suicide. She committed suicide in the middle of the year so that was pretty shaky <laughs> tearing up 
And then a week after she passed, I had a friend go missing for a whole week, which was pretty scary because I was very close to this kid and he went missing for a whole week, like no contact with any, with like anyone. And then he came back, which was really lucky because I was like very scared and stuff about him because like, I'm, like, I don't want to fucking lose two mates. Like he's, pretty, he's like very hard, like already losing one, but um, yeah, so I try and, um, like, me now, I try my best to, like, help out everyone I can. Like, I'm more of a person who puts others in front of myself and stuff. Like, I've always put other people in front of myself. And then, and then like, after, like, dealing all of that by the end of the day, like, I'm very tired, exhausted and stuff. And then I... I like forget to worry about myself and then I start going coming like and then I like ugh, too many words um my mood starts to come down and then I get scared because I'm like freaking out because I don't want to like be down that low again because it's it's tough being down that low like having not really having like a lot of people like I had I felt like during school when I was hitting all these periods I only have I only had my um my family and like my close swimming mates knew what was going on and all that stuff. My coaches knew of course what was going on. Like they were like asking me how I was and all that. And then knowing that none of my school friends checked up on me during those times, me being out of school, no one contacted me from school, like asking like where I am and all that stuff. And then when I got back, like, I only had, like, a couple of people, like, come up to me, like, ask what happened. And then I just lied about it. I was like, oh, like, I was focusing on swimming during this period and all that stuff because I didn't want to tell them, like, my personal life, like, especially at that age because they wouldn't know what to what to say or do. Like, they couldn't, like, I was scared that they were going to be like, oh, just, just suck it up, like, like, just suck your tears back up and all that stuff. Thank but, you so much for sharing all of that. Um getting emotional myself just thinking about what you've been through like um I obviously lost a friend to suicide last year too so that hits a bit of a nerve so thank you so much for sharing that base like there's so many things that I'd love to ask you about one of them being you said in the beginning that you know after a few days you went and spoke to your mum and said you know something's a bit off and then you said again there that when you had time off school when someone asked you why you weren't there, you didn't really say anything. What's that like? I mean, obviously, I know from a mental health side of things what it's like to try and open up about those things, and it, it is tough. Love to know, like, on top of that, what it's like from a male perspective, because I know that there is a bigger stigma around males opening up and being emotional. So I'd love to know your thoughts on that. I found it very hard. Like, I still find it really like really really tough to like speak about my mental health to my parents and all that stuff but um a little bit less to my friends like I'm very like if they're saying like oh like I'm struggling like I don't know what to do I'm like just tell your parents like trust me tell your parents as much as you don't want to tell your parents just tell your parents because like you are pretty much like their world and I rather you tell them than it being too late and then 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 them not knowing like what the fuck to do because they're like ah oh, like when did this all start i find being a guy who's going through mental issues is so tough because like we're we're meant to be like unstoppable pretty much like we're like everyone's um everyone's like oh like you don't have fucking mental health all this shit just suck it up all that stuff like the being told to suck it up when you're already like hurting inside with with your, your mental health it's just so hard like it's like i don't know how to suck it up like it's like what am i meant to do like i'm so clueless going through these times like i'm scared like i was scared like what was going on like i didn't know what to do like that's why i spoke to my like that's why i told my mom and my dad and all that stuff about it because like, I, I, I like no fucking clue what to do like I'm pretty sure, like, I remember this vaguely, but I'm pretty sure when I told my mum, the first thing I told her was, mum, like, I think I'm depressed. 
And that at that time, I had no clue what the fuck the, the word depressed meant. Like, I didn't even know what it meant. And then when I got to the doctors and all that stuff, and we went through Wales um, mental health system and all that stuff. Like walking through through the building to go see my like the psychologist for the first time. It's scary. It's like a ghost town. It was like very little like reception staff. It was like in this old building. I was like, oh, like, and then I felt, I was like feeling like weird vibes, like, like, oh, like, is there like something around here? Like, I'm like, I'm scared, like, I'm nervous. I had both my parents there, every single, every single um, psychologist. Like, my mom took time off work for me. My dad took time off work for me. I didn't really tell my sister. I'm pretty sure my parents told my sister what I was going through because like, I was too scared to tell my sister with my mental health and all that stuff. And then little did I know at the time, like my sister was kind of going through like the same thing. Like she, like she was like going through mental health stuff. And like I only found this out like two years ago that my sister's seeing a psychologist and all that stuff. Like I, had, I had no clue because I thought my, I thought my big sister was like bloody unstoppable. Like she's always, she's always protected me through things. My sister. Yeah, that's so good that you reached out for support when you think you needed it. And I'm so glad that you have that support network around you. It's it's hard to find the words. I think once you start, it's not as bad, but starting is so hard. You just don't even know where to begin. Like, how do I say what's going on when I don't even understand it myself? Yeah, like, it's a, it's a weird feeling, like, when you first when you first figure out that like you're losing interest in things like you're starting like you're not really feeling yourself like you just felt like like all your excitement's just left your body and all that stuff it's like it's a weird feeling because you're like no one's like told me this emotion before like i'm like discovering this now i'm and all that and it's like it's just such like a mind fuck pretty much like because you're so confused like what's going on like it's all new to you like what do I do like who do I see like how do I fix this and all that stuff but like going back like close to the start of the conversation um when I was on my medication like I was going through periods that I was on antidepressants I was off it back on it off on off on because like I had certain periods where I was cheering up like I was getting I was feeling happy like I was like feeling good again I, like, I felt normal pretty much like I felt normal like I didn't like taking my antidepressants because I didn't feel like it was normal like that's a very big word normal like like what is normal like and stuff and then figuring out that everyone like everyone has like certain levels of like depression and all that stuff like anxiety and all that like everyone has like goes through different levels of it but I felt that going on it like I like I was feeling happy when I was on it and then I, I was starting to feel like oh like I can I can ditch like antidepressants like I was talking to my doctor and all that stuff the psychologist is like look like I think it's time for me to ditch that stuff like I'm feeling good like my mood's picked up a lot um so I was like slowly coming off it and then I'd have like a good couple months where I'm like super happy and all that like feeling great and then I'd get hit by a train with like fucking emotions and then like everything comes crashing back i'm like ah oh, like i need to go back on them i'm pretty sure i went like on and off antidepressants five or six times i reckon easily and stuff and then like with my sleeping tablets i've been on and off them a lot but i feel a lot better being on them because i find it easier to sleep because i'm a massive overthinker like i overthink every possible situation it's ridiculous like even like i could overthink like stepping like in this certain spot i'm like oh like fuck it like try to step here or here like ah. <laughs> it's um like always overthink when i'm sleeping i'll I, like overthink before i go to bed and then it like, takes me hours to fall asleep but now like since i'm back on my sleeping tablets i'm like i'm like I'm, like get knocked out in like five minutes like bloody amazing like don't have to like think about anything and just let the let the tablets take the wheel pretty much i in i think it was 2018 my one of my stepbrothers okay so i got i got two half stepbrothers forgot to say that at the start that's okay two half stepbrothers one of them has a mate who works with mental health and he hosted a boys boys only 
mental health talk night in Avalon and me, dad, and my stepbrother went to it to watch, to like listen to all that. And then just seeing how many people rocked up to it was fucking crazy. I reckon there was about like 80 people who rocked up. And then there was a couple of people from Lifeline who went as well to tell like their stories, like with mental health and all that stuff. And then I remember at the end of the session, we had to find someone in the room that we've never met before and then tell them your own story about your struggles with mental health and all that stuff. And then hearing other people's stuff, you're like, wow, like, fuck, like, I'm not the only one who's feeling like this and shit. And then like, by the end of the night, everyone's like shed like about like a liter of tears, like shit, you know, like everyone's like crying by the end of that session. Like I took away with it that like, I need to stop, I like I need to stop like caring what other people like think about me. Like I need to start thinking about the positive things that people think about me instead of thinking about the negatives. And I felt like having that. Who cares what people like shit talk about me? Like I can say whatever the fuck I want because I know that inside it's not true about me. Like I rather I rather make myself happy than than lie and make other people happy. Like I rather be myself than just absolutely fucking faking it until I make it pretty much. Like, I just want to, I just want to like live life for me pretty much. Like, I just want to do the things that I love. That's awesome. I mean, that talk sounds amazing. I did not know anything about that. And that sounds amazing. They should definitely do more of those because I think that is needed. Absolutely. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, you also mentioned earlier that you had an injury with your elbow and then you didn't compete for about 18 months, I think you said. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, obviously, physically, there's a lot of rehab, but I don't think people realize the mental toll that injuries take on you either. My second surgery, that was definitely the biggest one. That was in 20, end of 2017, I had it done. And then I didn't start racing until 2019. I like just started in 2019 that like that was like my first time like standing behind the blocks in my race suit ready to race but having that injury took a massive toll like I was after that I gained 15 odd kilos I'm pretty sure like I had absolutely no motivation to exercise like I was attempting to um to exercise I went to a couple of PTs to like help me get motivated keep fit and all that stuff it wasn't until I came back after having I think I had like about six months out of the water and then I came back I was training and then I moved clubs again very early 2019 and I felt like me moving clubs kind of brought up my motivation and stuff like I was feeling fitter and then I slimmed down a lot during that period like after gaining 15 kilos like I lost like I think 16 kilos I was feeling strong looking fit I was super happy with my body like I was looking in the mirror I'm like wow like fuck like you're a sexy motherfucker like <laughs> all you've done all that hard work and you finally like it's finally paid off and then 2019 I made nationals and shook myself not gonna lie and then I did school swimming and then I went PB for the first time in like two years PB'd finally went under a minute 400 back and then two weeks later I had another school comp dropped a second and then a week after that I had nationals and I dropped two seconds throughout that whole meet over 100 meters and I got third in the 100 back that, can, that like completely shocked me. I was like super happy with it. If you watch like my race replay, I was like splashing the water after like, even though I got third, I was just like super stoked with like even getting a medal. Like I shocked myself for making a final, um, but like let alone getting a medal. I was like, that just changed everything for me. Like I was like super happy. Like my mood lifted. I was like, fuck, like, yeah, like I fucking love this sport. Like definitely like going to continuing it. And then swam really well throughout the rest of the year and then 2020 with COVID stopped swimming everywhere shut down lockdown 
I was doing Manly to Shelly Beach. I did that with another swim club, which I have a couple of mates in. I was swimming with them and their coach doing that. And then, and then pools reopened. I went back to training and then my friend passed away and then my mate went missing and then was kind of like struggling a little bit with emotions because like, I never like, I've never like lost someone in my life. Well, I have, but I haven't really lost someone that close. Like I've lost grandparents, but I was very young. I was yeah. like too young. I was only like two and four years old. So I had no clue like what death meant back then but um knowing it now and then like hearing the cause behind it you're like i'm like jesus like this really ain't good like this stuff like going through youth and shit and like hearing like so many like people especially like teenagers like like committing suicide and all that stuff you're like holy fuck what has this why like i've like i've like not gonna lie i've like i've i've attempted I've stopped myself from attempting like to doing it fucking like hated myself after it. And then I've promised myself not to do it ever again. Cause like, fuck like you took, it takes like big toll. Like my, I felt so shit after it. I like, I felt completely like wrecked, like emotionally tired and all that stuff. Promised myself that and I've promised other people that I'm never going like, to, I don't want to end myself like that way. Cause it's, it's a fucking, it's selfish. It's a selfish thing. Being a part of that impact from losing a friend is just so terrible. Like seeing the impact that it had on like her family and her super close friends and then like her friends and like people that knew it. It's like a big fucking impact. And my, one of my best mates used to date her years ago. When I got a call from another mate, I was like, holy shit, like, like I need to fucking check on my mate. I had, we had me, Toby and Tyson. Tyson was the one who dated her. And we all had like a life, life 360 thing. And Tyson's phone died. Like we had no clue where he was because I like wouldn't ping on the map anymore. So I picked up Toby. I'm like, shit, like we got to fucking like find Tyson. Like we got to, we got to find him. Like we got to find him ASAP. Like I called his dad. I called his mom. Like I tried to like contact his little brother. And then we went over to his house. Pretty sure that's where he was. Um, I don't really remember because like, it was all like fucking rushed. Like I had so much adrenaline going through my system. I had like mixed emotions. Like I didn't know like what the fuck to do. Finally got Tyson. And then we went to a mate's house and we're all like with each other. And then we went back to my girlfriends at the time, all like looking after each other, like making sure we're okay. Cause my girlfriend knew the person who passed away. She was very close friends with her as well and then um I, I stayed over at my girlfriend's house like about 12 nights in a row because i was just like i was did not want to like leave like her side because like, i was scared and so was she like we didn't know what the fuck to do like she lost two friends already to suicide and all that stuff so like i knew i was like very uneasy about the whole situation it's like i didn't know what to do like ah like i was scared she was scared and then yeah, by the end of 2020, everything kind of settled down. Hearing how it happened, like the phone call that I got, I was absolutely fucking shook. But I remember like everything that happened. Like I remember like every single word that was said. Like I remember like where I was, what I said and like what my next actions were. Like after like, after getting off the phone with Toby, I was like heading out. I was like getting out of the car. I think it was my mum at the time. I was hopping out of the car and I got the phone call. And I heard what happened. I'm like, fuck. And then parents like hear me like, like I was like yelling at the screen. I was like, no, like, no, no, no. This didn't happen. Like, surely this didn't happen. And they're questioning what's happened. And I told them what happened. I'm like, fuck, like, I need to go get, I need to fucking go everywhere. Like, I need to go see those people. got to make sure they're all right. Like, I got to stick with them. Because, like, I don't want that to have, like, a like a domino effect. Like, I don't want, like, one person to go and the next person will go. Because, like, they're fucking feeling shit and all that stuff. Yeah, like I've, I'm still in contact with her parents and all that stuff. Like I'm still talking to her mum here and there. Um, her dad go is an official at swim meet, so whenever he's on and I'm there, like I'll try my best to go see him and have a conversation with him and all that. Um, and me and Tyson used to go out 
to her parents' place out in the Blue Mountains, which is about roughly hour and a half to two hours away from where we lived to go see how they were and all that. And um, we did a balloon release for our friends um, where she used to swim, video about it and all that stuff. They, everyone took videos of um, themselves releasing a balloon. And then we went to see her parents after. We had dinner with them, which was really nice. But that definitely was a big shake-up and a wake-up call last year with all that stuff happening. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I can't even, well, I can't imagine because, I mean, I've been through a similar thing and it's amazing that you're still in, in contact with the parents. Um, I'm still in contact with my friend's parents too and I think that's important yeah. not only for yourself but for them too to feel that support. And it's crazy how high the suicide stats are. Like it's insane. I think it's something like eight Australians a day. Like it's ridiculously high. It's, it should not be that high. It's, I know, I know that like being down that path before, like I know it's, it's hard to like tell people and all that stuff. Like I know it's hard, but the thing is like, it has such a massive impact on everyone else. Like everyone who like knew her, like fucking suffered, her parents suffered, her her brothers and sisters suffered and all that stuff. And it, it's so weird because like, during like a month after she passed she not like I, I swear I was seeing her like there was like people driving past and like the same like same exact car as like as she had like same model like same color and all that stuff like same colored number place and all that stuff and then it'll be like you know, it's she not I'd fucking see her in there like, I'd see her in the car like driving smiling like waving to me and all that stuff and I'd like shake my head and like I look back and it's like it's not her and then going to like a swimming carnival be like fuck like yeah I'm, I'm gonna like see her there and all that stuff and then you're like oh that's right I can't fucking see her like I can't see her again it's like it's so crazy like talking to them one day and then 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 they're gone then like you can't like you know, like you can't talk to them anymore and stuff. Like, I don't even remember like the last time, like like the last things I said to her. I don't remember like, like our last conversation and stuff. Like, yeah, it's fucking ridiculous and stuff. Yeah, it, it's hard. And I've had the same thing. I still feel like even now, I mean, it's been a few months, but I still now I'm like, oh, I swear that's my friend. Or I hear something or I rock up to training and I just feel like he's going to turn up. And then it all hits you at once, like, no, then they're not going to come. They're not going to turn up anymore. Like, they're not here. And it's such a hard concept to wrap your head around. Like, how can someone be here one day and then go on the next? Like, it's so hard to wrap your head around that concept that they're just not here anymore. Like, why? Like, where are they? Like, why are they not here? It, it's weird. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, it's such a, like, it's a weird feeling knowing that they were once here and then now that they're gone and you're like, and all you want to do is just talk to them pretty much. A month or two after my friend passed away, I was, I was like so heartbroken by it. I was like crying pretty much all like pretty much every single night. And then I went to see my old psychologist and then she, she told me to um, like write a letter to her, write something that like, you want to like tell her. And something like that, like something about your day, like how are you going, like how you been doing and all that stuff. And um, I couldn't sleep one night. Like I, like I, I was still up at like two in the morning, and I was like super upset. Like I was like nonstop. Like I was like dreaming about her like all the time, and then I was like, "Fuck it!" Like I went to the office inside the house, and then got a piece of paper, got a pen, went to the back bathroom, which is like the furthest room away from my room and everyone else's room and I was just writing down the note and stuff and I was struggling so hard writing down that note I was tearing up and then looking at the piece of paper after there was like ink running from my like my tears going on all the writing and all that stuff it's fucking hard doing that but I felt doing that helped a lot it was kind of like my chance to like finally say goodbye she's she's like always like on my mind like and stuff like yeah
Yeah, it's hard. Um, I've done a similar thing. I wrote a letter to my friend too because um, we were in lockdown here in Melbourne, like stage four, like awful. And so because of the restrictions, couldn't attend the funeral. So I didn't really get that closure of being able to say goodbye. So writing the letter definitely helped me as well. And it's it's hard to know what to say and to get the words out on a piece of paper and <laughs> similar sort of thing. Like you're crying at the same time, so your vision's blurry, you can't really see what you're writing and then it's all smudgy. And But yeah, it, it's definitely worthwhile. And it is very helpful to do. Yeah. I am, I mean, I could talk about this with you for hours, but I am going to switch gears a bit and ask a completely separate question. What is? What do you think impact does social media have? Do you think in sport or for you directly? Oh, it has a big impact. Like it's, it's like social media is really bad. Like it's so bad, I reckon, because you get judged like every, like, there's always one person who's gonna judge what you put up on social media like there's always gonna be something to talk about when like a famous person puts something up everyone's like oh like did you see like what they put up like oh that's like such a bad thing like why are they doing that but like they're gonna like lose like followers and all that stuff like lose this lose that but i feel that social media is so fake now like you I felt like when you're young, you're like posting like up like random fucking shit. Like you'll take a photo of a carrot and you're like, look, like check out this fucking carrot. This carrot's <laughs> massive as like now like, it's like you kind of, I don't know. Like I feel like social media now and like everyone's a fucking asshole. And, like everyone has like something to say about other people. Someone like posts some weird thing. You're like, oh fuck, like why are they posting that? Like that's such a like dumb thing. Like I would never do that and all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a weird yeah, but like I, I think it's fucking bad social media, to be honest. I reckon they should just bloody delete it. It's all fake. A lot of fake people on it and stuff. Like, no one, no one really gives a shit what you post on it, to be honest. Like, you're always going to get judged. That's the thing. Like, that's how I found, like, whatever you put up, you always, there's always going to be one person to fucking judge what you put up. And then that will start something like, oh, great. Like, here's this fucking blowing up and stuff. It's, it is such a powerful tool and it can be used in a negative way. Absolutely. I mean, I definitely think there are some positive aspects to it, but I think in the society that we live in now, people can be very judgmental. And so it definitely can be super negative and take a toll on your mental health for sure. So I think we all need to, everyone, including myself, remember that people post what they want to post and they put out to the world what they want people to see and not necessarily what reality is it's definitely a highlights reel it's not a behind the scenes type situation anymore like you said posting a random picture of whatever it is that's in front of you at the time it's you know people take hours to take a picture they take 200 of the one thing and then they pick one and they all look the same but that's their favorite one and there's a lot of thought and a lot of hours and time that goes into just putting one picture up now whereas yeah. before it was just put it up and hashtag yolo yeah you're like with now like it's just there's always got to be like your photo has to fit like some sort of criteria or or something like that and stuff but like i've too many i don't i don't care what like people think about me like i said that before at the start like i don't i don't give a shit what people think like, i'll i'll put up with like whatever like i'll put up like random photos if i if i really have to and stuff um but like as long as i'm happy with what i'm posting i'm completely chill with it like like anyone can fucking post anything and i'm like yeah that's a fucking sick photo bro and stuff like looking at photography like this is a completely off subject but like looking at photographers and all that stuff they're just putting, they're putting up like sick pics. Like there's a guy that Gary Brickman, he's come to our training like a lot of times and like he's like taking photos of my phone. They're, they're sick photos and all that stuff. And then there's another guy at Swim Meet, Wade Photos. He's, he takes amazing photos. Like he takes bloody cracker photos of um, everyone at Swim Meets and looking at, um, he, Wade will repost like other people's posts that he's taking photos of. So like when he gets his tag, like he'll like share it on his, um, his Instagram and then vice versa. Like I know whenever Wade takes a photo of me, like, and put it up, like I'll always share it and stuff. Cause like it's a sick photo and all that. Yeah. Like it, 
social media has definitely turned into fake, like among the youth and early 20s, I reckon, like a lot of fake things just to like try and fit into the normal in quotation marks. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of times throughout the chat that you have an attitude now that you've slowly evolved into thinking that you don't care so much about what other people think. How do you handle expectations? And do you think most of your expectations are internal or do you think you take on other people's expectations as well? I'll definitely take on other people's expectations. But for example, if someone will go like, if someone will say something negative about me, I'm like, okay, sick, like, say what the fuck you want. Like, I honestly, like, this is not going to affect me because I'm like, I just want to worry about myself. Like, I don't want to worry about things that other people say about me because I don't want to dwell over it because the more you dwell over what other people think, I feel like that you're just going to fucking get stuck in that and you're just going to be stuck in that loop of feeling like you have to do what other people tell you to do instead of living your life for yourself and expressing who you are in whatever way that you want to but yeah I'll definitely take on other people's expectations like during swimming and all that stuff they'll be like they'll say something like yeah like I want to like I want to fucking thrive through that like I want to I want to meet expect like I want to meet people's expectations and beat them like I want to be the best who I can possibly be yeah, like I have, I know this is off topic, but I have finger tattoos, like with, I got a smiley face, a frowning face and a, like a straight face. Like they, like they have a very special meaning to me. Like I was happy once in life. I was sad once in life. And now I just don't give a shit pretty much. And then, and they also like describe my moods because I'm very, I'm a person who doesn't know how to explain themselves sometimes. Like someone asked me like, how I am? I'm like, lost the words I'm like I'm stuttering because I I don't know like how to explain myself so I'll just like flash up my finger flash up the inside of my finger showing the face like (laughs) for like a short so they like they know how I'm doing all that stuff so yeah I definitely take on other people's expectations for example I during my 100 back final at um uh Olympic trials this year um, when I got my name called out, the commentators were like, oh, um, this person's going to be like a person to watch for 2024. That's my goal. Like, I wanted, I want to meet that expectations. Like, I want to drive myself to get that goal. Like, who doesn't want to represent the country at Olympic Games? That's sick. Like, who doesn't want the Olympic rings on their body? Like, especially for like an athlete, it's a cool thing to have. Walking around, like looking at yourself in the mirror, like saying, like, fuck, like I really did all that all that work to go to those games because like it's only the best of the best who go who are able to represent the country at all those like levels and stuff no I love that I love the tattoos too that's so cool (laughs) do you think that Olympic trials has been one of your biggest achievements so far yes for sure I was very I was super stoked myself I definitely shocked myself I dropped just over a second in my hundred back from like a month from like a month of training like being at the edge of like 19 where you're starting to like plateau with your times and stuff like you're going to go above your pb might go like really close to it and like it will take time to pb but like making my first olympic trials and then making my first a final olympic trials was crazy like i was super happy with it but before my race like after my warm-up I was putting on my suit and my suit ripped clean like along the seam like from my front all the way underneath my butt to the back of my butt pretty much it ripped oh my god that's the worst feeling like I was I was freaking out I was like super scared I was like super anxious like oh fuck like oh like I had I was like super calm and chill like I was like excited as and then that happened I'm like oh fuck like this is great it was a new suit like I only wore it like twice before that and then luckily I had spare suits but my suits were like super loose because I've worn them so many times and I went into marshalling I was like shaking I was like super nervous like first final like first final at um Olympic trials like did a really good PB in the in the heats I'm like oh like 
trying to like calm myself down and all that stuff. And then like, I was like joking around like people that I was sitting next to and stuff. And then I swam a race. It was an all right race. I went, I went slower than I did in the morning, but I was still underneath my PB from the start of the meet. So I was still pretty happy like having that opportunity to race like with all the big kids, like with all like the best of the best, like in our country for that event. Like it was a really good opportunity. And I'm super like, I'm super thankful to, to like my parents and like my coach for like preparing me for this meet pretty much. And then I had an all right race for my 200 back. Um, I had a small PB. I was a little bit disappointed with the time though. Like, I really wanted to go sub two minutes for it. I only did like a 0.4 PB, which wasn't too bad. I still made the B final, which I was pretty stoked with because I didn't think I was going to make a final with the time that it did, but luckily I did. Yeah, that's amazing and definitely something that you should be proud of, 100%. You said a couple of times when you were talking about your mental health and sort of the parts that you struggled with the most, like during your 9 and your 10 and you weren't really attending school, but you kept up your swimming still. What kind of impact do you think sport has had on your life and do you think it's different now to what it was then? I feel like it's the same. Like when I'm in the water, I just absolutely zone out from things like I'm like I'm looking at the black line or I'm looking up at the sky. And like I'm creating like animals with the clouds and stuff. Like I'm trying to like have fun while I'm training, like like to the to a certain degree. Yeah, like having having sport there during my tough times, I felt was really good because I was able to escape from being fucking depressed. Like I I was able to like have a break um, after feeling shit all day feeling like super bad, feeling super upset and then coming to the pool, like mood out, like immediately changes. Like I'm with, I'm with like friends and stuff who understand like what I'm going through and all that stuff who are like super supportive me at the pool and like having people that understand what I'm going through, like with my coaches, like they understand that I had depression and all that stuff. Like every single coach that I've had since I was diagnosed knows pretty much knows my story about my mental health and they're like always like checking up on me and all that stuff which is like really good and I'm really thankful for that because not a lot of people understand how great it feels knowing that someone cares about you it's always nice to have someone checking up on you like even if it's like once a week like it's fucking amazing like um, them out of blue saying hey like you like how are you going like you're going all good like that and brings a tear to my eye because i'm like wow like you're a fucking hero like you're caring like you're so caring for doing that like taking time out of your day like or even having the thought about me like and stuff like he's like wow like thank you like that definitely helps i reckon like checking up on your mates like definitely check up on your mates definitely check up on your like on your family members like see how they are like have like a conversation with them, like talk about whatever, just talk, like have a, have a conversation, see how they're going. And then, and then like, if they're feeling shit, like talk about it a little bit, ask if, the, if like, if they want to talk about it and if they don't just like change the subject, like don't just like, don't just fucking like leave them on red or anything like that. Just like change it, like change the topic, get them talking and stuff. Like as much as, as much as they um, possibly can. Like I know, like with my swimming friends, like how they asked, like how I was, it was like, fuck, like, yeah, I'm going shit. And they'll like, and they'll ask like, why I'm feeling shit. And I'll be like, oh, like, because of like this reason. And they like, try their best, like cheer me up. Definitely has a big impact. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think it doesn't have to be like if, if you tell someone or if someone asks you like how you are, you don't necessarily have to know the right thing to say in response. Like if you say, you know, that you're not feeling good, they don't necessarily have to know what to say. You could just be like, distract me. Like, let's talk about the footy yeah. on the weekend or let's, you know, go out for lunch or go grab a drink or watch a movie, just something to distract you. Just the thought of knowing that they've come across you have come across their mind that they're thinking about you makes you yeah. feel wanted. It's a really nice feeling and it, it doesn't take much. It, it can be something as simple as asking how someone is or, you know, I'm 
saw something the other day and it reminded me of you. Like it just makes you feel so good. Yeah. You mentioned before that 2024 Olympics is something that you're striving towards. So I'm assuming that is something, a goal of yours that is upcoming. Do you have any other long-term or short-term goals? Yeah, I definitely have goals. Like I want to make a like a senior team like I want to I want to attempt to make a senior team this year at the end of the year uh with the world short course champs I want to try and be on that team like I'd love to have a dolphin number like by the end of next year like hopefully like I'm gonna I'm gonna push like as hard as I can to achieve this goal before making the games like even with Com Games and Pan Packs next year, like I'd love to be on one of those teams, and even like the year after twenty twenty three, I like, I don't know what makes them twenty twenty three, but I definitely want to jump on a team before before Paris. Like that would be absolutely amazing. And then another goal, it's pretty much working on myself, like trying to do more things that make me happy and find time to do those things because right now I'm, I'm, I'm lazy as to be honest. Like I like when I'm not training, I'm like at home watching Netflix on my bed or I'm napping. So I definitely need to find some other things. So I'm able to go like, when I'm able to look back in the, at the day and say like, wow, like I've achieved this, like this made me happy. This didn't make me so happy. Um, and all that stuff like having having a set goal at the start of the morning like I learned this this year from a psychologist my mom who works with Swimming Australia like she's like have a goal for the start of the day like something that's accomplished and something that makes you happy like even if it's one thing that's more than enough because like you're going to feel good about yourself by doing those those things even if it's like doing gardening mowing the lawn or vacuuming the house like cleaning the house like that's an achievement and then something that makes me happy I don't know like I like surfing that makes me happy like I love I love training that makes me pretty happy Netflix that makes me happy that's like for some examples and stuff definitely has helped me with my mood I reckon with that stuff with having a goal at the start of the day and then being able to look back at the end of the day yeah Yeah. that's awesome and I think the whole training napping and Netflix is pretty much the standard routine of most swimmers so that's not something I'd be too worried about finishing the conversation I like to finish with three questions the first one is what is something you are most proud of about yourself and it doesn't have to be swimming it could be swimming but it's up to you something that I'm most proud about myself is Definitely finishing school. I finished school, but I never did the HSC exam. I never sat that, but super happy about that, finishing school. I'm happy that I've made it to the age of 18 and I'm still here. Like, that's fucking amazing. Like, um, one of my best friends, mum, Kathy, she, I remember she saying that, like, she was, she's even shook that I'm, like, still here. And same with my best friend, Claire, like, they're both, fucking true because they knew how shit and like shit I felt and how rough like I was feeling and stuff like I'm happy with that and then I'm happy with like all my swimming achievements that I've done so far like through my life like I'm happy that I've gone like to nationals like that's a that's a big thing like as a kid knowing that you and you've made like a qualifying time as a big achievement. You're like, yeah, like normally when you make one nationals, you make like the next nationals a year after year after year after. Like having done all that, and then even like meddling at national at like an age nationals, and then making your first open nationals, and then making an open national final, and then meddling at an open national final, like doing all that stuff, like that's quite a big achievement. Like knowing that you're one of the best in the country for that race at that time is just such a great goal. Um, after after Olympic trials, like I was super happy with like all my achievements. Like knowing that done my best that I could to accomplish my goals 
and stuff. So yeah, but I reckon definitely the biggest one was that I'm still here. Like that's a big shock to myself that I'm like still here somehow. That's awesome. And you've definitely accomplished a lot and been through a lot. So it makes me feel so good to hear you say that. The second question that I have is what is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you have been given? Oh, favorite quote. Oh, there's a rapper who I forgot his name, but I have a video saved. He's saying that he has two phones. He's got one for business and one for personal calls. And he says that he, when his personal phone call rings, he knows that, that he's like, he knows that you're ringing, but he doesn't care. Like he knows that you're ringing, but he just wants to live his life for like, for him. Like he wants to live life for himself and stuff like that's, that's what I live life. Like, that's what I'm living off right now. Like I live life for me. I do the things that I want. People don't like have an issue with that then like i'm sorry like i'm doing what makes me happy so that's the quote and then there's another quote that kenneth toe used to say and i've forgotten it <laughs> um <laughs> i have it i have it up back in um back in sydney i've got i've got a plaque with his because in state teams 2019 we had like when he passed away at the start of the year our new south wales cap had his dolphin number on it and I won the Kenneth Toe medal, which is the first and only one. And I had the cap framed, the medal framed, and a plaque with the quote that he used to always that, that he used to live by. But I've forgotten it. I'm pretty sure it's like something to do with you still have to push through even if you're having a hard day. It is. It goes in life. You don't get much done if you only work hard on the days you feel good. Oh, I like that. That's good. The final question I have for you is, do you have any tips for those that are listening? Like I said at the start, check up on your mates. Like check on, like even if you haven't spoken to them in a while, just just see how they are. Like just check up because that makes that other person feel so good about themselves and stuff. And then if you're going through, like if you're starting to like, if you're only starting to like fully depressed, like just tell your parents, like they, fucking care about you like you are they created you like you like just tell them like as but i know it's i know it's a hard thing especially for a guy i'm not too sure from a female point of view but it's it's fucking tough telling your parents but letting them know that you're not doing great than rather putting on a fake face you're only damaging yourself i hate pushy psychologists but trust me just can go to them like you need like if you're feeling feeling depressed just please go like you'll it's not it's not the end of the world like, just just do it please trust me having having the help and support from them has like definitely lifted my mood like i'm still i still know i'm like not 100 percent. like i don't think i ever will still be 100 percent. but it definitely has changed and it's definitely changed my attitude towards life as well yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for sharing as much as you have. It's it's not an easy thing to do. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure it will help so many people out there knowing that if you can talk about it, they can too. So thank you so much for joining me today. That's right. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. If you would like to stay up to date for when the next episode is being released, you can follow myself on Instagram at Renee Fox or you can follow the podcast at perfectly underscore flawed underscore podcast. I'll chat to you next time. Bye.